Hey, welcome to Church Alive's podcast. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Matthew 10, 16 says this. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. John 10.10 says the thief only, someone say only, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every man, every woman within the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, help me help your people today. Flow through your servant into your people. Bless them. Speak to them, bring strength, encouragement, insight, discernment, open eyes that might not see, open ears that they might hear. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart, build my life to be the person you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Come on, one more time. Can we give Jesus? Come on, let's give him a hand. Awesome stuff. Hey, grab your seat, slap your neighbor, tell them they're good looking. And people like them. I want to uh, deliver a, a talk to you today called Protecting the Family, Protecting the Family from the Wolves, Protecting the Family from the Wolves, and um, it's funny, I wrote literally kind of a different message, and as I was on my way to church this morning, I felt like for some reason I wasn't passionate about what I was going to talk about, but I was more passionate about this, and I just felt my heart adjust to go, no, 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 this is the topic I need to talk about. You know, this week, I had one of those... Uh, uh, social media moments where you want to throw iPads against the wall. Um, don't know if you know what I mean, but how many of you heard recently of Momo? It's a woman on, on Instagram that someone has literally injected into children's videos that tells them how to commit suicide, how to kill themselves, and so forth. And it's moments like this that all of a sudden you realize that... Um, that the world is not as nice a place as we hoped. You know, you're just like, what in the world would possess someone to think that that stuff's funny, right? I mean, you know, if you're a parent, I would like to take that person and, and I would like to do bad things. <laughs> To that person, I'd drown them. I'd, 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 uh, I'd put a millstone around their neck and I'd put them in the deepest. So I don't know what I'd do, right? I would do bad things in the name of the Lord. Um, I would quote scripture not about forgiveness. I would quote scripture on the judgment of the Lord. Amen. And. Um, and so often it takes moments like that sometimes. It takes moments that wake us up in essence that we are sheep sometimes amongst wolves. And, and I believe that every person in here, I know that you come from a family, whether you have a family, but you come from a family, you're in relationship, you're not in relationship, you have kids, you don't have kids. Wherever we are, we are in a family. God put us in family and there are things that come against the family. There is no question about it. And often I find that some of the arguments in culture, 
some of the things that we're discussing in culture, some of the things that we say are the problems of culture, um, they're not. They're just not because the foundation of every city comes back down to how healthy is the family. So all of the young people problems or divorce problems or whatever it might be, most of the problems that we say are problems in culture are not racial problems, are not all kinds of things. They're family. Break it down to the individual and then family. So I want to talk to you about strong families and protecting the family from the wolves. Are you with me? So I want to give you six thoughts today. I'm going to give them to you. For those of you that like to take notes in church, I'm going to quickly give them to you. This is really what I'm going to talk about. And then I want to share um, a story, and I believe that you're going to get something out of it. Sound good? As I've read the scripture now for 20 years, led people for a number of years, over 10 now, uh, really since I've been married, been leading people, I have noticed that there are six, six types of things that literally destroy families. There are, there, are, there are things that you don't think you may deal with, but I promise you probably will. There are things that will come against your love life, even though you say you're so in love. These things happen to every family, and if you're not awake to it, if you don't see it, Momo's after you. So I want to talk about these things, addictions, the mismanagement of conflict, all of us conflict, all of us fight, but it's how you fight is whether you'll actually get to a healthy place. The mismanagement of career and finance, obviously one of the number one things people fight about in marriage is money, but it's not about money, it's the mismanagement of money, isn't it? Uh, The mismanagement, excuse me, that was um, my sneeze, mismanagement of boundaries the storms of life, and apathy in marriage. Apathy. So let me share this story, and then I want to delve into this. When I was um, about 20 years old, I was in college, and I was actually sitting at my desk doing homework, and all of a sudden, God literally opened my eyes to a I wasn't asleep. It was like a dream. I literally had a, a lot, like a, a vision, and uh, on it, in the vision, it was like a movie was playing before me and I was not even really aware of my surroundings. And it it really impacted my life because it taught me how that Jesus really is the shepherd. And all of a sudden in this picture, I saw myself as a little sheep and I was running on kind of on this field and there were other sheep around. And I felt like the Lord said to me, come closer, Anthony, come closer. And and as I began to get closer to him, he's like, no, 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 you're not close enough. You need to come closer closer. And so I got closer. And as I got closer to Jesus, I recognized that I looked behind me and there were wolves. And so what I want to suggest to you today, if you are not close with Jesus, wolves can get you. He is the shepherd. Someone say he is the shepherd. See, the foundation of a family shouldn't be the family. The foundation of a family should be God. Because hear me now, man, I'm a man, so I know, listen, man, you're not good enough to make you the foundation. I am not good enough to make me the foundation. I actually need to make Jesus the foundation of my family. And then when I make him the foundation, he makes me a better man. How many of you would agree today that when you follow God, you're a better man than if you didn't? 
like 12 of you. Okay, let me see if I can talk to the rest of the room who's very confused. Okay. How many of you men, let's talk to the men for a second, would actually say that you're a better man if you follow God than if you don't? There's still a lot of us somewhat confused. How many ladies would agree that your man is a better man if he follows God than he follows this dumb? Okay, that's what I thought. (laughs) See, you can, listen, this is the deception sometimes even when family life is going well. Because when family's going well, you don't think you need God. But it goes, it's success and success and success. The problem is you're the foundation of the family. And the problem is when you're the foundation of the family, when you crack, what do you fall back to? And so I want to suggest to you today the greatest place. Listen, you are the smartest people in Lynnhurst right now. You are the smartest people in Bergen County right now. Why? Because you're in the house of God. Listen, because the house of God, I know no other place other than the house of God that builds your life on the priorities of God, the principles of God, the foundation of God, that wants your life to flourish like like God. I know no other place. I, I, I enjoy sports. I love sports. But isn't it funny that... Sports can, can, can become your foundation. And money can become your foundation. And your popularity can become your foundation. But if you make God your foundation, when the storms come, and they do come, don't they? When the storms come of life, God will bless your world and God will bless your life. And so I began to have this open vision where literally Jesus began to say, come closer, son, come closer. And then all of a sudden, Jesus literally said to me in this vision, come and we're going to go on a journey. I began to follow him and we went down this hill. And then all of a sudden, I realized that we were about to walk into basically a, a, a um, what's the best way to describe it? A place with lots and lots of trees and really a dark path. And so we were walking down this, this path and Jesus kept saying to me in this vision, come closer, let me carry you. And all of a sudden, I allowed myself to be picked up by the Lord. And as soon as this happened, literally wolves were very close. And we're walking down a path, and I was scared as a sheep. I'm scared, and I'm afraid of what's going to happen. But he just says, son, just trust me. Just allow your feet to almost relax, because when you're close to Jesus, you are safe. And we walk through this very dangerous place, this dark place. Jesus says in Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He says, I, ma- I make you lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead you to a good place. He says, I restore your soul. And though you walk through, someone say through. Don't stop, right? Go, go through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I will fear no evil. Says, for you are with me. Says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And all of a sudden in this vision, I walked out of the path. And then he, it's like the Lord puts me down. And all of a sudden I began to run, run away. And then there was a wolf and I run back to the Lord. And he says, after your greatest victory is often a, a very dangerous time because you get prideful and you think you don't have to be close anymore. And then one of the coolest parts of this vision that God gave me was that, it was that there was a beautiful stream running in, off in the distance. And, I, and, I, and I, it was like the Lord said, said to me, right next to me, he says, come on, I'll race you there. And if you know me, I like to compete. <laughs> the men in Transform know this. We like to compete, right, man? And, um, but what I loved about that vision was that Jesus knew my personality, 
and that he's not anti your personality. He's like, hey, let's run there. And we began to run to this very, this stream. And so I just want to tell you today that you are a sheep. That's encouraging, isn't it? Right? You are a sheep, but there are wolves that would love to destroy your purpose. There are wolves that would love to destroy your faith. There are wolves that would love to destroy your family. But if you'll be wise and, and, and listen to the principles of God, not only will you follow the shepherd, but you'll put up the right fences so that the wolves cannot get to you. Does that make sense? So let me talk to you today about number one, addictions. Addictions. If you'd like to take notes, this is the time. You, ha- you hanging with me? How'd you like my little sheep story? Some of you know, but uh, most of you, good, good, you're with me. Number one, addictions. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this, Therefore confess your sins or your mistakes or your addictions or your faults to one another and pray for each other so that what? You might be what? Healed. Notice that the Bible does not say tell God your mistakes or your addictions and actually he will break every chain. This is sometimes what we think. We say, Lord, I'm going to do better next time. But the Bible says that the pathway to health is humility. See, most of the time when I meet people who are perhaps addicted to alcohol, drugs, gambling, porn, their phone, The phone, the, 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 the phone, I was at the mall yesterday and I literally thought to myself, we have major problems in our culture. It, we are just staring at phones, walking into each other. We are having technology problems today, but we are having phone problems, praise God. Are you with me? Yes. Listen, how you got into an addiction was pride. How you'll get out of an addiction is humility. Because humility, listen, I come from a family that the father failed to tell people I have an addiction problem. He would not tell people he had an addiction problem, so that addiction stayed now for 30 years. But if you'll tell someone and get on the process of healing, how many know God can set you free? Addictions become almost like honey to the wolf that he gets attracted to your world and he knows he can take you down. How many of you do not want to pass on an addiction to your son and daughter? Come on, how many of you do not want to pass on an addiction to your son and daughter? Jesus literally did not die just to forgive you. Jesus died so that you might be free. I want my son and my daughter to learn good things from me, not the opposite. Does that make sense? Number two, the mismanagement of conflict. All of us fight. If you are in a family, you're going to fight. It's not whether you fight. How you fight. And I don't think I have a master's degree on this whatsoever, but I will say this to you if you don't intentionally change how you um, do conflict, you will do it the exact same way as your parents. You won't want to, you won't think you will, but you saw it for years, and all of a sudden, how many of you know that daddy comes out occasionally? 
Mummy comes out occasionally. I never thought I would, but all of a sudden, if you don't literally deal with your own heart issues, if you don't bring your heart to God, if you don't bring your mind to God continually, not one time, this isn't a quick fix. This isn't a, a, a gimmick. This is a lifetime of sometimes bringing your thoughts to God and say, God, deal with my thoughts. Come on, am I preaching to anyone today? The book of James says in James 1.19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, it says, take note of this. Everyone, someone say everyone, everyone, should be quick to listen, but slow to speak. Someone say slow. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. I heard uh, the great man, uh, Nicky Gumbel, say this, the first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive, the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. Come on, say the first to apologize is the bravest. Now, often, men, we're pretty good at apologies because we do a lot of dumb stuff. Amen. Amen. Got a, a couple of amens on that. How many other amens can I get out of that one? A bunch of women about to say amen, double amen. <laughs> We're good at some of saying sorry because we do a lot of dumb things, but ladies, occasionally, occasionally, like maybe 1% to 4% of the time, it's your fault. <laughs> 1 to 4%. 96% of the time, it's normally not, but 4% of the time. So I want all the ladies to say, I'm sorry. sorry. Come on, say it loud, say it proud. Ladies, say, I'm sorry. Come on, say, I'm sorry. <laughs> say, I didn't mean it. <laughs> now, you may have meant it, but you still need to say, I'm sorry. Amen. <laughs> the mismanagement of conflict. Sometimes when issues have been deep-seated for a long period of time, you do need to go to counseling because you need someone else in the room that would really be a buffer for you. That is a reality. Listen, I heard someone say recently that they don't go to, they, they intentionally go to counseling three times a year, not because they have a bad marriage, but because they want an epic one. And I was like, my goodness, that is so, so good. Isn't that good? Number three, the mismanagement of career and finances. Obviously, one of the massive reasons that marriages and family fight is this issue on, on finances. And so often then men or women, we kind of, we get really focused on it. We're like, man, I'm going to own my career. But you've got to understand that over time, if you put your career number one, if you say finances are number one, and it's easy for your heart to lead that way, eventually it will actually destroy the very thing that you thought it would build. Just because you have more money doesn't mean your family is more blessed sometimes. How many know there's multi-millionaires and billionaires? You know, the richest man in the world, his marriage just fell apart. So money doesn't solve it. Now, money makes it easier. Let's not be, let's not be lying to ourselves. Money, a nice vacation's beautiful, isn't it? You're going to help me preach this or not? Right? Uh, it, it's, it's good, right? It's a good thing. But sometimes I, I've, I've met guys and they're like, man, I just get my money. I just need to get my money sorted and so forth. Listen, be diligent with money. Be thankful with money. Be a generous person and be a wise person. Hear me now. God wants you to be a thankful, diligent, generous, wise person. How many want to marry someone who's thankful, diligent, generous, and wise? Right? But isn't it funny that sometimes I say that if I'm preaching to you and I say, God wants you to be a thankful, diligent, wise, generous person, you kind of go, I don't want to be. <laughs> That's actually your heart resisting God. 
But if you want your your spouse to be thankful, wise, diligent, and, and generous, that means it's good for you. Yeah. Are you with me, Church Alive? Come on, are you with me, Church Alive? Yeah. Let me say this also about money. I, I grew up in a family that money was always an issue, mainly because they, they mismanaged money. Um, but they were always talking about the mistakes of the past. But the problem with talking about the mistakes of the past for like 10, 15 years is eventually you've got to get to the point where you go, wait, we're in a bad way, but let's create a new vision instead of the past vision. You made this mistake. You made this mistake. You made this mistake. And, the, and eventually you must take ownership and responsibility and realize you're not a victim. Yeah. We live in a culture that loves victims. And we're almost like labeling everyone a victim. Let me suggest to you today, the best thing I can say to every single one of you is, how many of you have ever had something bad happen to you? Put up your hand just quickly. Okay, that's every one of us. Therefore, all of us can play a victim card at some point of the game. But when it comes to your money, stop being a victim. Get a healthy, godly vision of the future. Own where you are and move forward. That is the only way forward. Your past has no future. God wants you blessed. But actually, I would say this, that sometimes I notice in my own house and my own family that we were almost waiting for God's blessing to come down. And he's like, no, no, you need to think differently about money. So I teach my son, tithe, save, Give, uh, uh, spend the rest. Tithe, save, spend the rest. Tithe, save, spend the rest. And I, and I constantly tell him that. Why? Because I know if he'll get those principles early, yeah. if he'll get those principles early, I'm going to honor God, I'm going to be wise, and then I'm going to freely spend. Yeah. Yeah. What happens to his heart? He's a, he's a guy that honors God. Yeah. He's a guy that's wise. And then he lives within his means. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're like, why do I want to? How many of you spend your, um, spend your bonus even before it comes? <laughs> I want to do that. I really do. Number four, the mismanagement of boundaries. This will kill a family. The mismanagement of boundaries. These are the fences that you build to protect a family. These are the fences that stop wolves coming in. The mismanagement of boundaries. What do I mean by that? Listen to what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 says. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then, someone say then. Then you win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. When you tie love and faithfulness, someone say faithfulness, like never, never leave you. This means you create a fence of your life that says, I'm going to be a loving and faithful person. The way that you got a date or the way that you got married is not the way you need to behave once you're married. Let me tell you a story on this. Um, I was dating my wife, and we were about six months in, I think, and things are going really well and so forth. And then we go to this one coffee shop, and we were hanging out with another couple, getting to know them. And then this one girl comes up to me, and we start talking and so forth. And then I went to the bathroom, came on back. Ever had one of those moments where you realize you did something wrong? Some of you men, right? You ever had that moment? 
Not you, men. You know, you're perfect, right? But, but the other men I'm talking about, I'm talking about everyone but you. And, and I walked in, I was like, wow, something's weird. The atmosphere of the room has just changed. Um, and, and literally, Miriam at the time didn't talk to me for the rest of the cafe, coffee little time, cafe time, coffee time. She didn't talk to me. And, and, and then later she chatted with me and she literally said this, oh, that girl's going to know you have a boyfriend. Girlfriend, yes, thank you. <laughs> Hear me again. <laughs> Let's do that in action replay. <laughs> she literally was like, with, with a little attitude, she can get some Portuguese attitude sometimes. She was like, oh, that girl's going to know. You have a girlfriend. <laughs> See, sometimes how, again, you got a girl isn't how you need to continue to behave once you're serious with someone and then married to someone. And the danger I found, and I remember my heart shifted and I all of a sudden realized something very clear was that the way I related to the females previous to having a serious girl could not stay the same. Hear me now. This will save marriages time and time again if you just get this in your heart and get this in your spirit. If you honor faithfulness on the inside... And honor it and you, you see yourself, I will be a loyal, loyal, faithful person. And you value that and you honor that in your heart. You'll have to shift how you behave with the opposite sex once you're in a serious relationship. Now, what got you a date and got you married is a little bit of flirtatiousness, right? You touch them and you, you say, oh, you look beautiful. Oh, don't your eyes look nice and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just those little compliments and so forth. And then sometimes you meet people and they're married and they're still talking the same way. You're like, oh, my gosh, you've got such beautiful eyes. Don't tell a girl that if you're married. Because yes. <laughs> people foolishly think that they won't catch feelings yes you will right you will and that's why work spouse is a thing and all kinds of nonsense all throughout our culture is because people are not valuing faithfulness and so I just want to suggest to you today that you must manage the boundaries of your life you must manage them once you find a significant other listen to me otherwise you'll destroy you will destroy your family. Hear me now. I'm preaching for your marriage and for your kids. You will destroy what God has given you. It is a wolf trying to devour. Does that make sense? Number five, the storms of life. The promise of Jesus is abundant life for you and for me. The promise of God is abundant life. But do you know what he also promises? Storms. He said, two men heard a sermon. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, one was wise and one was foolish. He said, one did what God said to do, one didn't. And he said, then the storms of life came. My family recently, oh gosh, it's been a while now, but 10 years ago, my sister had a tragic thing happen where her son literally had a a stroke in his brain and has never been the same again for 10 and a half years. That is a storm. There are numerous storms. I believe God, that God will protect you from storms, heal you from storms, but there's some storms that just come. Yeah. 
and you can't explain every storm. But I would tell you this, that it's in God that you find strength in a storm. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 says this, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired in his understanding. No one, the Bible says, can fathom. He gives strength to who? To the weary, and he increases the power of the what? Storms of life make you weary. Storms of life make you weak. But where can you find your strength? Where can you find it in God? Where can you find your strength? It is in God. And sometimes there's storms because there was an affair. Sometimes there's storms because you lost your job. Sometimes there's storms because there was a sickness. Sometimes there's just storms, not in your immediate family, but in your, your, your in-laws and so forth. And there's storms. But if you'll hang on to God and strengthen yourself in God, Am I preaching to anyone today? Number six, a wolf in marriage. Apathy becomes eventually a wolf in marriage. One of the things I love about our transform groups is that there's sometimes people rate at the end of transform. We ask them to rate themselves in the four big areas of life, physically, spiritually, relationally, and financially. And often guys come in and they rate their marriage three out of 10 when they first come in, but seven, eight out of 10, nine out of 10 one at the end of the transform group. Why? Because intentionality is sometimes the magic of a marriage. We, it, it, how many of you know it doesn't just happen? It doesn't just happen. Chemistry just happens. Babies, they just happen. <laughs> well, actually, they don't just happen. I always find that people are surprised when they're pregnant. Oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. You're like, you know how that works, right? <laughs> oh, shoot, I wasn't paying attention in that class. <laughs> Apathy. My son said to me the other day, Daddy, how come you're going on vacation and um, we're not coming? <laughs> and I honestly took a teaching moment. And I said to him, listen, son, because one of the best things I can give you is a strong marriage. Because often people put the family first, but they neglect the marriage. And then the kids leave. And then you're stuck staring at each other. You don't know each other. Spouses stay. Kids leave. So if you don't cultivate a strong marriage, if you're not intentional about that marriage, if you don't build that marriage, how many know that it doesn't just build itself? You've never seen a building that built itself. You've never seen a marriage that was great without any type of sowing intentionality. I promise you, you've never, ever seen a great marriage that it just happened to be a marriage. They never had to try. They never had to pray. They never had to kind of do, they, they never had to say forgiveness. You've never, ever seen one. But how many want a great marriage? How many want a great family? Every single person wants a great family. And I was convicted the other day as I was listening to a podcast on the intentionality of a leader that I was listening to. He said, every Thursday night is a date night and every Tuesday is a coffee where I talk with my wife about the, the week and then every quarter we do a meeting and we talk how was the last quarter, how was the next quarter. He's a business guy, as you can tell. He evaluates his businesses like this. Therefore, he, he, he evaluates his marriage like this. And so I believe we can build epic, amazing marriages only with intentionality. Yes. 
Listen, I believe we can build. I want. I believe God wants you to have an awesome, flourishing marriage. But you need an MWE. The marital work ethic needs to be high. It doesn't unintentionally happen. It intentionally happens. Does that make sense? And I believe that. But I would say this, that most of us want it. And only those who get intentional about it get it. Because most of us have core values, but they never make it to the calendar. How many of you kind of run your life by Google Calendar or some kind of calendar, some kind of planner? Not many planners in here. Okay, we'll pray, we'll, we'll pray for you at the end. If it doesn't make it to your calendar, it's not really real. My wife and I for 14 years have actually basically had a date night. Now, sometimes we've missed, sometimes we haven't had a babysitter and so forth. But we've had a date night for 14 and a half years. I've talked to, I talked to one man one time. He said, we haven't had a date night in 32 years. That's not good. Um, your calendar reveals your priorities. Oh, my f- iPad reveals my priorities. A wolf wants to get your family. Are you going to let it? A wolf wants to get your family. Are you going to let it? No. Hear, me, hear me real good. A wolf wants to get your family, wants to get your generation, wants to devour it. Are you going to let it? If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.